another edition as this summer rolls along in our summer series of positional rankings on the Sunday card. It's the NFC North, the Frozen Tundra Division, or if your team's just a bunch of big wussies and play indoors division, that too. It depends on, you know, who you like and who you don't like, but it will be the NFC North in this week's episode. Dan Zampano, Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silberth, appropriate nickname for this type of a division. No Lewis this week, but Matty, we got another thing rolling as we get down to, uh, what are we now, three or four, this fourth division that we're doing now. Yeah, for hard to keep track when we're going AFC, NFC. But uh, again, I think we kind of said the last NFC one. The AFC episodes, we are we're working, we're doing a lot of notes, we're studying, we're having we're having debates with ourselves on these rankings, and some of these NFC divisions so far through two of them not really bringing the most juice. As but again, we got to play the games. But man, this upcoming NFL season, if we could just bet on either AFC conference or NFC conference to win, AFC's got to be like minus. Four or five hundred. Yeah, I think so. I think so. This is not really the ranking like the best players or the best positionals. This is ranking who's not the worst, like yes. pretty much for the NFC and then the AFC is actual football. There's there's some divisions where you, you fill in the top option first, and there's some you just fill in the bottom option first. And a lot of these are usually the bottom option first. It's like, I guess I like that guy. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, that's that's the whole room and, and the kitten caboodle. Let us continue before we do the positional rankings, as we do every week. We're going to do our guess who uh, blind player resumes this week. You have one for me I do. this week as well. So since you usually go first in the uh, rankings, I think I'll take the, the liberty of going first on this quiz, and I'd like to hear yours first. Okay, so this is for uh, last season. Um, the league, you know, leader, one of one of the top in their position, a former league MVP, uh, is what I'm giving out here. Okay. Um, both of these players played a shortened season, so um, 12 games, uh, 62.3% completion percentage, 2,242 y- passing yards. He had 17 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and had a quarterback rating of 91.1. Player two in this division played 15 games, uh, had a 60.4 completion percentage, had the same exact amount of passing yards, 2,242 passing yards, 17 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and the 85.2 quarterback rating. Who am I talking about? See, I would have not known maybe if you hadn't said former MVP. But I'm going to go on a limb and say this is a Matty Ice hype train player resume because this is Lamar Jackson as player A, and this is Justin Fields as player B. Oh, that's, that, is, that is correct, sir. Uh, <laughs> to, go along, to go along with uh, all their passing numbers, Lamar had 112 rush attempts for 764 yards, three rushing touchdowns, and Justin Fields had 160 rush attempts for 1,143 yards Ridiculous. and eight touchdowns. If I gave you that in the breakdown, that would have been more. I, you know, I probably shouldn't have said the league MVP, but, you know, I gave, gave uh, you a layup on your first one here. That was kind of a layup, and I appreciate the layup because, you know, sometimes my brain doesn't work. I've got a lot of things going on, and I'll go off to Neverland. Uh, 
Yeah, we're going to talk about Justin Fields in that quarterback positional rankings later because I've got some interesting factoids. Uh, here's your blind player resume. Ready. Player A, top player at the position, versus player B, who's maybe underrated. This was much harder to do. I, I tried doing it with a million different positions, and this really came out to just this one. Player A had 107 catches on 156 targets. He also had 1,359 yards receiving, nine touchdowns, and averaged 12.7 yards per catch. Player B had 106 receptions on 146 targets, had 1,161 yards and six touchdowns, averaging 11 yards per catch. Now, I mind you, player B played in one less game than player A. So the cops and like kind of like the, you know, uh, regressive to the mean, if you will, that's kind of where we're at. So these players were super co comparable because player B had missed one game. Who is player A and who is player B? I know player B, I think. Okay. I believe player B is the sun god himself, Amon Ra St. Brown. That is correct. Okay. Now I'm trying to think who we could be comparing him to. Just rattling off receiver. Stefan Diggs probably had better numbers than that. If I had to guess, he was he was pretty close up there. Let me see if he had better numbers actually, because I have the numbers right here. Um, I'm trying to think. Another uh, can you give me the conference, AFC or NFC? I just feel like receivers are so many damn receivers. He was, so this receiver, I'll tell you about this receiver. This receiver, if it ever comes up, um, was I think in the top five of all these major categories. Um. I am going to say that he was, because I know he was. But uh, he was in the top five of all these major categories. J Jamar Chase? No, because Jamar Chase missed a couple of games last year. Oh, that's right. Just going division yep. by division now and in my head. Other, and I'm losing it. A.J. Brown? It was not A.J. Brown. This player, in terms of yards, I believe was six, just under Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Hmm. Any more guesses? Mike Evans. No. Actually, Amon Ross A. Brown had a much better year than Mike Evans. Yeah, Not much better, but did. I don't know. I give up. That was C.D. Lamb. Mm. Mm. Okay. C.D. Lamb. So, again, one more catch than Amon Ross A. Brown on 10 more targets. And remember, one more game. And then had less than just about 200 more yards, three more touchdowns, and average one and a half more yards per carry or yards per catch. So the Sun God starting to creep up to maybe a top 10 list. I was going to say, I think he going forward, um, I mean, this would be a big prove year because I mean, he's kind of last year was his breakout season. But I, you know, going forward, he he had all the, the kind of hype around him going into last year about his talent and his abilities. Um, it had a pretty good like last, like final six games, I think it was in like 21. He like started to really go off and kind of, started to build some hype around him and then put a full season together last year. So I think he's going to be a like top name around the league. Uh, like I said, top 10, I think for sure. Stud. Absolute stud. Uh, let's do it. Let's do the positional rankings. We start with quarterbacks then we go to running backs, pass catchers, defenses and coaches around each division. Let's start with quarterback, Matthew. 
four through one. Who you got? Four through one. Um, well, it's certainly a new era. It's certainly a new time in Green Bay because they are four at the quarterback yeah. position. Um, as much as my love goes to Justin Fields, it's more about potential. So the Bears are at three. I have the Vikings at two. And the Lions at number one. You know, the worse the division is, I think the more on we are. Like, the more together we are. Because I have the same exact list, although I tried my darndest to get Jordan Love over the hump, but I just couldn't do it. I was waiting for the troll of you putting putting Fields at four, but I might uh, just do I, it. Now. You have to just give me like give me a little respect. I, I if your rationale was that the backups are PJ Walker and Nathan Peterman, like I might go with you on that. But those yeah. guys are possibly still better than Jordan Love. And the backups for Green Bay are Sean Clifford, a rookie, and Danny Etling, who was I might be the only person that even knows who Danny Etling was, famous for a ninety yard touchdown run in a preseason game as quarterback for the Patriots. Um, so that, that's where we're at. Uh, I agree with you. I do agree with you. I think, I think, uh, with Goff, Jared Goff tied for fourth in touchdowns last year, tied for fourth in yards per attempt last year. Super impressive. 99.3 passer rating last year, a little less yards than Kirk, but 29 touchdowns. They both had Goff had seven picks and cousins had 14. I didn't even really think this was honestly that close. No, and if I remember looking, I think I think Cousins had far more attempts too. Like the yards were yes. like fa- the yards were fairly close, but like he had way more attempts. Uh, Kirk Cousins did so um, very efficient. Jared Goff was last year extremely absolutely. Efficient. Kirk Cousins the most attempts in his career six hundred and forty three attempts. It was only the second time that he had over six hundred attempts in his career. So. That was tough. Plus the backups, you gotta love Nate Studfeld being there as a backup. I, I love that guy. Um, and and they me. take they take Hendon Hooker. Yeah, like, I, I forgot about him. Forgot about. So him. I mean, all the potential there. Yeah, a lot of potential in Detroit. Detroit's like potential city. I know. Um, with all the players they have brought in, uh, Justin Fields. Uh, we are completely on other ends with Justin Fields. Um, you just brought up all his stats: his 17 touchdowns to 11 picks. Uh, my issue is here. Justin Fields had as many as many yards per carry as he did yards per pass. Um, and to me, that is a detriment to me. Uh, yes, yeah, 7.1 yards a carry is awesome if you're a running back. 7.1 yards per attempt as a quarterback is not very good. 85.2 passer rating is not very good. And I, I know... Like people want to compare Fields to Hertz in a lot of ways, where they're like you know kind of similar paths, similar um, similar offenses. You look at that and say, well, Kirk Cousins had seven point one yards per attempt. So did Justin Fields. Yeah, well, Kirk Cousins threw for six hundred forty three attempts. Justin Fields had three hundred eighteen. They did not throw to him. And if you want to go to the Hertz section, Hertz had four hundred sixty attempts and only averaged four point six yards per carry. And was a much and was an insane rusher, was a much better thrower, was a much better thrower than Fields. And I don't think anybody's arguing that Fields is, but to me, this has not progressed to I'm a quarterback that can play out of the pocket and will use my my legs as kind of a secondary option. I don't think it's progressed to that yet. I just don't know his rookie year. It's 
I don't know. I, I, his rookie year is borderline how people treat Trevor Lawrence's rookie year, I feel like. I, or should they should be treating it that way. Where it's like, oh, Trevor Lawrence was awful. It's like, well, the situation was god-awful with you know, Meyer's time there. And, and the team did not, you know, the coaching was bad. The personnel around him was bad. And so I look at last year as, as a little bit of his first season for, for Justin Fields. Um, and, yeah, I mean, what you're looking for this season is for him to progress as a passer. If he – I'm not looking for him to rush more. I'm not expecting – you know, I mean, Grant, when you have a guy that can give you a 1,000 yards on the ground at quarterback position, 800 yards on the ground at the quarterback position, that's fantastic. Everybody would want that. What we're looking for is him to progress as a passer. And I just think that now he's got – DJ Moore, Claypool for for a full season. He's in the second year of a consistent offense with his coach. Um, and I just think that that's what the expect, expectation is. He has every other intangible, his size, his like, I mean, he has speed that nobody else can really touch outside of Lamar Jackson, who we compare him to. So if you could just get a little bit better as a passer, I just think that that's the world. You know, I mean, that's it. I mean, that's, um, that's yeah. where I'm expecting to grow. I'm not, he's clearly the best running quarterback I think right now it well, Jalen hurts in the play, but <laughs> not in short yard situations. Uh, but I think, again, I just think the offense and the bill, the bears are a young team building. They drafted a lineman this year. They brought in some other line help on the offensive line. Like it's just looking for him to grow now as a passer. If it doesn't I, happen as a passer, I'm not going to like go into year three being like, no, now he's going to become a passer, you know? Yeah. yeah. Eventually he is what he is. I think, and this is not groundbreaking news, I mean, the position that he plays just calls for more intellect than any other position, and I just haven't seen it. And and to your Trevor Lawrence point, yeah, Trevor Lawrence was in a bad situation, but at least Trevor Lawrence in the second half of that year when Meyer left, he was playing well. He was playing well in the second half of that year. So, you know... Uh, I just I need to see more of it. I just don't think we're going to see it with the setup that we have. Even I, I'm I'm not confident. You so. don't think? Do you think that Justin Fields can reach 3,500 passing yards? No. Okay, that might we might have to make a formal wager on that. Okay, we'll figure that out. We'll if, figure if that if out. We'll he, figure out. Hammer out the details. If, if he does that, how many rushing yards does he have? I don't think he has a problem ever reaching a thousand rushing yards or not at that 800 rushing yards. I I think that the rushing is his safety valve that he's not a, he's not even really a tight end thrower, although he is in a lot of ways in the red zone, but he's more of a safety valve is I'm going to take off of my legs. Let's just, we'll, we'll call it a four to 200 all, all, you know, 4,200 all purpose yards. I'll take that all day. Take that all day long over under on that one. Uh, let's go to running backs because, I mean, we can talk about Jordan Love, but I-, I like Jordan Love, but there's not much to say, you know. It, the biggest downgrade you can make. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough right now. Running back room, though, not so bad in Green Bay. I, I would say this, and maybe it's a little controversial. I don't know. Maybe it isn't because I think you can go a lot of different directions. But four through one, I'm going to go Minnesota, number four, Detroit, number three. Chicago number two, and give me Green Bay at number one because they have the two best running backs in the division. So I have one differentiator, but I was kicking myself back and forth on it. Mm-hmm. it is the two three? I had the Lions at two and the Bears at three. Uh, but okay. I think Vikings, Vikings again. Vikings have fallen down all the way down that list without Dalvin Cook, even though he's potential. I guess could come back. 
but I've also heard not only is he rumored, you know, maybe come back to the Vikings, but Bears and Lions also interested in so he might be staying in the division, uh, which would stink for them. Um, but I put the Lions, I put the Lions at two because I like the hype around Jameer Gibbs. I think that that's a nice addition. But looking at the leading rushers in these rooms, so you have uh, David Montgomery now hopping in the division from the Bears to the Lions. Khalil Herbert, I guess you would say, is that lead back now for the, the Bears. And Alexander Madison takes over the role for the Vikings. Very similar. Like I, I was doing, I did a, a player comparison against them to just kind of sort through that two, three, and four, because clearly Green Bay is number one here. Um, and over the past two years, uh, the best yards per carry is Khalil Herbert. Uh, Madison has. 3.7 per attempt, Montgomery 3.9 per attempt, Khalil Herbert five yards per attempt, much fewer attempts than David Montgomery, who he was backing up, but uh, 30 more attempts than Alexander Madison. I think, and I think there's just always been this, oh, they've got Cook and Madison, they got Cook and Madison, but Madison's numbers, not necessarily the greatest as far Bad. as his yards per attempt and, and his, his decent receiving back, but um, I don't know. I always, I, when I really looked at the numbers for him, I thought I was going to have him a lot higher on this list, but he might not be the, the the full replacement for Dalvin Cook like people think he's going to be. I don't think any of those players are pass catching backs. No, really. uh, Khalil Herbert a little bit, even though he hasn't done it. I don't. Know. Not much. I would say Khalil Herbert is definitely up there. I think you're forgetting Deontay Foreman how good he was last year. Deontay <sighs> Foreman that was like a one off. I don't know. I, I, that's hard for that's hard to stick for me. But he did have a great year. Look at his numbers. He almost had a thousand yards rushing last year. And five touchdowns averaged four and a half yards a carry. I mean, he was solid as a rock when McCaffrey left. I mean, he was balling out, man. And if he gets behind a, a, a decent line and you think maybe the Bears might have figured a couple things out, you're asking him and Herbert are like very, very similar backs. Like, yeah. they're again, they don't have a pass catcher. Maybe the rookie out of Texas uh, might be, you know, something like that for them. Um, but I think the reason why I had the Bears in number two is because of that. I, I like the one-two punch there. Herbert doesn't have to be anything more than he's been. And I think Deontay Foreman, although he might be a, a maybe a slight downgrade, I'm not sure, to David Montgomery. I think Montgomery is definitely, a, a, a with athleticism, the jumpier, cuttier, like can break a lot of tackles, like that kind of a player. You know, everything behind those players, though, like, you know, Again, the top two kind of cancel each other out. Everything behind that is like, ugh, you know, relying on like Craig Reynolds and Mo Ibrahim as a, a rookie. And, you know, even the Bears, I mean, the Bears did get Travis Homer, a good special teams player, has filled in a role for Seattle nicely. But, you know, I, I guess I just think with their also, I think about their offenses and how they run. I think the Bears are more inclined to use the run game more effectively as well. And I think they have. They have the running backs that match their schemes a little bit better than the Lions at this point. Yeah, uh, I'd just be interested. I want, I'm very interested to see, again, the Lions obviously had a ton of success running the ball last year, and I'm curious to see Gibbs uh, stepping into that offense because I do think that there's potential, you know, rookies rookies kind of splash on the scene all the time, especially at the running back position, um, that at the end of this year, uh, disregarding the Packers runners, I think that we could look at him as the best running, gra- running back amongst the three other teams. Mm-hmm. You yeah, you really did not like when we texted on draft night, you really did not like the Gibbs draft and then drafting the linebacker Campbell. Well, it, it was just they were in a position to take Robinson, trade out, and then take Gibbs like one spot behind where they would have taken Robinson. 
So it's not like, oh, we don't want to draft a running back that high. Yeah. They just trade it out. That's that's what didn't make sense to me. That's that's right. like the the asset management of that was, I think, piss poor. But I think the player's good. I think if you switched the second round picks with the first round picks, it would have made a lot a lot more sense yeah. for Detroit. You know, so um, so I, pretty much in agreement outside of the Chicago Detroit one two. Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, obviously. At the top, and we talked about Aaron Jones when we did the AFC East. Uh, probably, player probably best, probably best duo in the league now. Now that uh, you know Chubb and Hunt are together, yeah. And we don't have. I mean, we we talked about Madison and Cook, but again, we're looking at Madison's yep. numbers. I would say very solid chance of being the best running back tandem in the NFL. Absolutely, and we'll talk about that when we do the NFL positional rankings. Pass catchers, another interesting group. I think to me. I think there's locks at the tops and the bottoms again, but I'll want to hear from you. Yeah, I can agree again, right back to the bottom for the Packers in this category. Um, All of their pass catchers pretty much at the top of their depth chart have been drafted in the past two years. From tight ends to wide receivers, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, uh, they draft tight end Luke Musgraves this year. Um, And just a lot of other guys that were taken either later and later in this past draft or later in, in their draft two years ago. Uh, Dobbs was one of those fourth round picks. So they're just at the bottom. I had the bears at three, uh, DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney lions at two, as much as I almost wanted to put them at number one, but Justin Jefferson is a different, I, again, I was, I was trying to find a comparison. I'm like, talk about Amon Ra's ascension. Yeah, like, no, yeah. Is he on Je- Jefferson's level, but there's nobody else. Like it's Jefferson and cup at the top. Um, separating themselves as far as the just, I mean, Justin Jefferson at eighteen hundred yards last year. I mean, that's just insane, insane. Uh, I'll get to what my list was in a second, but just a point on Justin Jefferson. I was doing some digging for this, and uh, Ben Solak from The Ringer, who's like a super nerd, yes, had a crazy stat on Justin Jefferson. Uh, and you could play along with the analytics. In terms of explosive play percentage of the top seven wide receivers in the league, that's Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Jamar Chase, Tyree Kills, Stephon Diggs, and Devontae Adams. Over the last three years, Justin Jefferson's explosive play percentage was 23.5%. Out of those seven receivers, the next closest is Tyreek Hill at 20%. And I know 3.5% doesn't seem like a lot, but when you're dealing with analytics, that is a chasm. But it doesn't stop there. He also led the league in target share and target percentage. So he gets the most targets and then destroys the best receivers in the game with explosive play percentage. That's how stupid good Justin Jefferson is. I don't want to hear any more about it. He is without a doubt the best receiver in football. And you can maybe say, oh, you know, I mean, the Vikings might have issues at other places, but man, with that guy in the field, it's impossible. It's it's just impossible to deal with him. Uh, and nobody has been able to. With my list, obviously Green Bay at the bottom for all the reasons you said, the first, the top eight pass catchers with wide receivers and tight ends have all been drafted in 2022 and 2023. So that's obvious that they're going to be in the last. I put Detroit at three, and maybe that surprises you. And then I put Chicago at two uh, and Minnesota at number one. 
And part of the reason I did that is I love Amon Ross St. Brown. I think he's, you know, really good player. I think DJ Moore was put in a really piss poor situation last year. And with, especially with quarterbacks and in and out and, uh, that offense never got off the ground, and he managed to almost get 900 yards last year. But DJ Moore is – we can't forget, DJ Moore is a top-10 paid wide receiver in the league for a reason. He's a very, very good receiver um, and obviously going to be the number one target on this team. Uh, I'm not sure Claypool makes it to the season. I think he could be a roster cut, so I'm not crazy about even putting him on this list. I thought Darnell Mooney, again, with the situation that he's been in, um, this being more of a running team, we cannot forget that two years ago, this guy was in a thousand yard receiver and still has burner potential. And then the guys behind him, like St. Brown, the other St. Brown, um, who was a good three, Cole Komet last year, pretty good year for Cole Komet. I almost tried to get him in the player uh, comp and I was going to do him and Dallas Goddard, but then I realized that Dallas Goddard only played 12 games. So I took him out. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cole Komet and Robert Tunyon as a tight end group, that's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad. And it's much better than what the Lions have right now. So the Lions are going to be relying on really young tight ends, whereas they're more putting their emphasis on Amon Ra, Marvin Jones. All the receivers actually had pretty good years last year, Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond. But I, I just like Chicago in terms of tight end group. I think their the receiver group is semi-comparable. You might take them down maybe a slight notch from Detroit, but the tight end group puts them over the top for me. So I'll go Chicago too. Yeah. Again, I think uh, they're going to be battling it out. I think that that's kind of going to be some of the small margins in this division uh, as that we're seeing right now. Cause those are, you know, I mean, Chicago, maybe not competing. I guess it's really totally up for grabs in this division. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not really sure where the odds are. I know we know that the Lions are the odds on favorite, which still just constantly blows my mind that we are in this world, but uh, the, the margins are very slim in this division. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, outside of Justin Jefferson, there are not a lot of really good players in this division. St. Brown being the one that is coming up the pike. So that's, that's the best of what you're going to get from this episode because the rest of it is like, ew. Um defensively, yeah, we're about to is, go to the worst category yeah, in this division. This is bad. In fact, I have, just some stats from last year to back this up. I, I went through it. I go, I, I keep a track of the lowest and top six, uh, you know, teams that all these categories, and I kept going through defensive categories and I kept seeing these names popping up, uh, especially the bears and especially the lions. Um, if you just go there, defensive completion presented bears 28th in the league, uh, defensive yards per attempt. Chicago 32, Detroit 31, Minnesota 31 at the tie, and Green Bay at 29. Um, I could go on really forever with all of these statistics. Chicago in particular, last in sacks, 31st in pressure rate, gave up the most points in the league per game. It's not good. But defensively, if I was going to make a list, this might surprise you. I put Minnesota at number four. And we'll talk about it in a second. I put Chicago at three, Detroit at two, and I put Green Bay at number one. It would not surprise me, Dan, because I have the same list. Wow. Because you, you said Chicago and Detroit were popping up at the bottom of this list. Miss Minnesota. I, I also have a bunch of, like, just 
this entire division was in the bottom half or bottom 10. So all of them were in the bottom 10 in rush yards per allowed. They're all four and a half yards per attempt or worse. Uh, three of the four teams were uh, three of the teams were in the bottom four in points allowed per game uh, being 25 points or more uh, Detroit, Chicago and Minnesota. Green Bay was 17th. Um, most passing yards per game, Detroit and Minnesota were two of the bottom three. And they're all in the bottom half of the league in sacks as well. Like this whole division is just not very good at defense. It stinks. It stinks. Defensive yards per play. Detroit 32, Chicago 31, Minnesota tied for 30th, Green Bay 28th. I mean, it's like, it's insane. I mean, Minnesota could not defend the pass at all last year. And you knew it. I mean, fa- fantasy matchup, it was the best fantasy matchup for anybody with a wide receiver or quarterback going against them. Like the, it was the number one thing to target. Detroit was number two because Detroit's games, you know, they were all shootouts. As much as Detroit was putting up third, you know, they had that crazy stat for the first half of the year where it's like they're the only team to like be averaging, be averaging over 30 points uh, on offense and allowing 30 points on defense for the first like four or five weeks. I think it was because they had just constant shootouts back and forth. Uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. But I, I would bet uh, what we like as far as bringing the Lions up from the bottom half of this list. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about it in the free agency show and their acquisitions. They've done a lot of mending to their secondary. They, they've changed a lot of personnel in the secondary. No question. No question uh, with, with who they brought in, especially. I, I think it's more so the veteran leadership that they needed to bring in than anything else with the with the C.J. Gardner-Johnson's and the Manuel Mosley's and guys like that. That's what they needed to. I still have questions on the front, though. Like, outside of Aiden Hutchinson, I have a lot yeah. of questions. Yeah, that's true. They're going to have to be able to get pressure. That's that's the two. I mean, there is there is there an elite pass rusher in this division? I mean, so you've got you can make the uh, elite elite. When, no, no. But. There's that's the thing. There's no elite. There's like you're like okay, you've got Preston Smith for the Packers. Like, and I would eh. even argue Rashawn Gary's probably a better player. Yeah, be and then I mean, Daniel Hunter's too old. Well, it's not even Daniel Hunter being too old. He's never on the field. Yeah. And and to be honest, where I'm at with Minnesota, and I think this is where we need to go with them, mm. I think that that's a team. That, and you, you already see it with the Cook move. Is that if they're at the if they're at 500 halfway through the year, they're selling. Like they're going to be big time sellers. They've already looked at Kirk Cousins' contract. His his year next year is voided. So this is very likely his last year in Minnesota. I would imagine that they'd probably try to move on from Harrison Smith, from Daniel Hunter, from guys that are eating up a ton of cap. They've traded Zadarius Smith. They're in cap trouble. They want to compete, sure, but they also recognize that they need to get better money-wise. And that's why I think this team, who wasn't very good last year, I mean, you look at the rest of them, you know, they have a ton of veterans on the D-line, like the Harrison Phillips and, and Daniel Hunters and those guys. Their secondary is brutal, and they haven't been hitting on first-round picks. Like, their first-round picks are really starting to be, like, just role players, and that's just not good. Yeah, they, they don't feel like they have a difference maker on the defense. Like, outside of Harrison Smith, it, it's just like – but, again, it's like he's getting – Well, I mean, guess what? The Cardinals have Buda Baker. He's the only player on their team. I mean, what's the difference, you know? I mean mm-hmm. – yeah. <laughs> what, what we're comparing you want to compare teams i mean one great safety you know what does that do for me no, and everything it does, else it is... does nothing it does absolutely yeah. nothing no i yeah. mean there it does feel like they're extremely close to blowing it up i mean like i said and then 
uh, uh, the biggest thing that that leaves is what happens with Justin Jefferson. He, I don't think he's sticking around through a long rebuild. He's an, he's another, he's one of these players that you will never get the proper return on your, you know, you, you know, every other team trying to trade for him. If you're blowing the team up, is going to be in the driver's seat as far as negotiating goes. Um, just as far as like, they know that he's not sticking around. If he says he ends up wanting out or something like that, um, that would be the biggest fall on that. But obviously we're, we're a little far away from that, but again, they do feel like they are very close to blowing it up. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to see if he got a contract. He did not get a new contract. So he is still, he is still on a rookie deal. So, and that's, that's very another, that's well, so then you just, well, you probably just give them the max and then trade them. Or now you are in the driver's seat when you're handing over a controlled player, you control the contract. I don't know. Be interesting. You give, you do the Tennessee thing where you just trade AJ Brown during the draft and just try to coop up as much picks as possible. Yeah. That's probably yeah. that would probably be the move. That would be, oof, something to something to put a little note on next year's 2024 draft. Will Justin Jefferson? God bless it. Can you imagine if just how he goes psycho again and gives him a monster deal? <laughs> that would be <laughs> hilarious. Um, what about Chicago? What do you what do you think about them? Uh, and why are they why are they kind of where they are? You think? Because it was hard. I almost put Chicago ahead of Detroit because I like some of their young players, but they just haven't made the move yet they'll be faster with those two new linebackers yeah i mean i think you just you just have to you have to see it yeah, so they bring it they bring in tremaine edmonds and uh Ed, edwards right or no the, yep. the rookie that they drafted yep. or, or um i just i don't know it, it's another name it's another one that their secondary is just always seems like got eddie jackson back there but is eddie jackson the player that he was like his first two years in the league mm-hmm. like not really. I don't know. And then again, talk about like a bit of just a lack of pass rush. I just, that's the problem. I don't know who's going to step up to get some pressure for this team. All new free agent acquisitions at pass rusher, which are all very like no name players. Yeah. I, I think they hit on their two secondary player. I think Kyler Gordon was really good for them last year. Jaquan Brisker. I love that kid. Armbands dude back there. Uh, at safety, I think he's going to be a solid, solid player. They just need some of those guys to step up, and I, I think Tremaine Edmonds gives them more speed. That's yeah. that's what I think, and they need to do that plan at zone scheme. They're going to rely heavily on coaching and player development and all the rest of it. So I think they can be a solid defense if they can get pass rush. Uh, let's go. Speaking of that, coaching to coaching um, again. We don't have really an elite coach here. We're going to find out about one certain guy to see how he can do. Um, mm. but where are you in the coaching ranks here? So coaching here, um, at four, what will be Justin Fields downfall would be the bears coaching. Uh, I think again, I just that Matt Eberflus in his second year, um, needs to, needs to show a little more. Uh, I, I do have the Packers and Lafleur at number three <laughs> lions at two with Dan Campbell and Minnesota at number one. And I think, think you're going to agree with me on Minnesota and I'll let you tell the people why. Well, and, and we have the same exact list and the yeah. and the reason why is we got no more. We, we don't have Lafleur. We have Flores uh, at the, uh, at the Vikings DC spot. And I think that's huge. And Kevin O'Connell, you talk about a guy who just come flat out ignores the defense. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, you know, going to allow him to just kind of do his thing. They needed to make that change. 
Um, and I think Flores will make his defense tougher. You know, to bring in a guy like that, it's kind of like Brian Flores has really nothing to lose. The team is more tanking. And I think that it will be very similar to like a Dolphins situation if they do that, is that he's just going to be asked to get the most out of the guys that he's coaching. And he's not going to be given a lot of resources. There's some still solid players on that team, um, but they're going to have to work with what they can. That's going to be their whole MO is can we can compete and do this at the same time. We're just going to need to coach the heck out of our defense to do it. And I think we can, as long as we have cousins and Jefferson on offense. So I think that's a great reason why they're number one. Uh, Detroit. I think that, I think that Detroit with Dan Campbell, obviously I think is the most non kind of subcontractor, you know, Mm -hmm. where he's actually the head coach. He's not deferring to, you know, Aaron Glenn's going to coach the defense. Sure. And Ben Johnson's been a great OC for them and really been dynamic and people really love him. I think he'll be a coaching candidate next year, but Dan Campbell is not the, you know, I'm only looking at one side of the, one side of the ball here. He's, he's all encompassing. And I think that's why he's such an attractive candidate and really could have probably been the number one if, if, uh, if they had had a better season or made the playoffs, I think they they would have been there. So I like Dan Campbell. And then LaFleur has the most to prove. I think we give Iberflus the benefit of the doubt. He's still working out the quarterback and all those things. But LaFleur by far has the most to prove because all those stupid stats that come out about his winning percentage in the regular season are just ridiculous. And now he really gets a taste of his own medicine. Can you actually coach without one of the best quarterbacks of all time? Yeah, I mean, he and he's just had so many public decision-making blunders, and and you know, in the past in the past years, that yeah, obviously the quarterback you had was probably able to cover up a lot of stuff. You know, probably changing a lot of plays in the line that he didn't like and didn't <laughs> like what he saw that was coming through the mic from the floor. Um, so, like you said, this is now you've got a bare bones team. You know, you got a good running game. You've got you have a quarterback. Uh, um, <laughs> You don't have any pass catching weapons. Are you going to be able to coach this team up again? Same thing. So if, if Brian Flores has to coach up a bad personnel unit on the defense of Minnesota, what is Lafleur able to squeeze out of this? Out of these? Out of this cheese mm-hmm. up in Green Bay? <laughs> oh, making mozzarella. Making mozzarella. Oh, I could deal with that. I mean, I, I listen. I am all in for Jordan Love. I think that he could be a solid player. I think we saw glimpses when he got into the game last year. Um, Again, it's going to be about the coach-quarterback relationship that is going to make or break him, possibly. So that's it, and that's all. Um, This division stinks. I don't even know who to pick for this division. My best guess, I mean, Lions by default, but I think think with – I think with Chicago, like, there is a path. I think there is a path. And it all goes through all of their young players, not just Justin Fields, but all of their young players, really taking the next step up and Justin Fields magically learning how to throw. (laughs) We're going to – I'm going to – we're going to hammer details on this bet because I'm just – like – that it's all right there. I mean, because again, like you said, and it doesn't just need for the offense to get better. The, the defense was also, like we said, worst in the league, you know, bottom, mm-hmm. you know, bottom five in points allowed. So, or dead last in points allowed, whatever it was. But 
a lot of pe- people are going to step up. But again, it just this feels like the top dog in the division, any division that we want to take a shot on is one where you would look at the top dog and go, well, they're definitely not a given to make the playoffs. The, the Lions didn't even make the playoffs last year. So this would absolutely be a division that you would look to take a shot on. Um, and again, I think for me, it would be taking either the Vikings or the Bears, whichever one you want to do out of those two. I would not necessarily be taking a shot on the Packers, but hey, maybe that is the way to go. Well, I think one of the reasons it could be the way to go is just because I think you could manage Jordan Love really well, run the football. In fact, there are some, I'm looking at it now, BetMGM and FanDuel both now have the Bears as the worst team, the last team to win the division. And the Packers at plus 350, basically across the board, you can get them at different places at plus 400. But yes, the Lions are favorites. But the Packers, who, if I remember correctly, when we were doing a show a couple weeks ago, were the worst team. They were the bottom of the barrel. So it seems like the Packers are getting some steam. And I think the reason for it is that they have good defensive players. They're deep. Maybe not a lot of names that you know, but there are some really, really solid players, particularly at the cornerback positions. They have a good line. They have two good running backs. The pass catchers that they have, although super young, there was some promise with Christian Watson. There was some promise with Romeo Dobbs. I can maybe, you know, Jordan Love manages his way to a division title, and we're talking about this all over again is, oh, my God, they, they have another one. I, I was just going to say, anybody who's a fan of one of these teams in the division, if the Packers, of, of all years, <laughs> that you feel like you can just finally win this division, and if the Packers just come and win it again, I mean, they're just going to be pulling their hair out they're just going to be drowning themselves in their milk and beer and whatever other heavy foods they eat out there chicago dogs and and all this other stuff that they're going to be just drowning themselves in god bless i I, i'm talking about i think i'm talking myself into a packers division title i think i might be what 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 are there you said plus 350 plus 350 on most places you can get them at plus 400 depending vikings are plus two plus 200 vikings are plus 300 at some places. So plus 270 uh-huh. on fan right now. Because that's what I want to say when we talked about it before. I think they were 250. So that's gone. That, that's there's been a little bit of a, a closing of the gap between Packers mm-hmm. and, and the Bears. Bears are what? Got to be beyond plus 800 now. No, no, no. Bears no? are plus uh, FanDuel plus 420. Oh, maybe that's maybe it's 420. I was wondering where because I definitely, definitely threw that in on my DraftKings account when we did it before. So Oh God! To have that ticket, which which I I do. I'll just mention this for the people on the show because I texted our our group text for the, for the <laughs> oh, for, for the show for the podcast. I was looking back as as the U.S. Open came up. Uh, we recorded this a little early for where this might come out, but the U.S. Open coming up. I was looking to see. I knew I had put uh some on Max Homa, and I was trying to see if I had where I had him at in my odds. Um, and I apparently had one uh, right after the Super Bowl already bet Justin Fields to win the MVP on a FanDuel account and <laughs> then proceeded to do the same on DraftKings. So we are all in on Justin Fields to you win MVP, unknowingly that I already had it. So You need to show up like the first win of the season for the Bears. You better show up to the show in full sweater vest, mustache, Dicka garb, just full-on Dicka. 
Hall- Halloween show this year. I'll, I'll be Dicka. And you, oh, you, you put your best, your best, best ripped hoodie on. It could be Bill. Oh, I, oh, please. I, well, maybe I should just dress up like the Eagle or something because that's apparently what I am now as a fan of them. So yeah, you could look. You could just, just do this whole entire show with like crazy eyes and look like Nick Sirianni. Yeah. <laughs> That would be good. Do a little NFL coach Halloween party. That would be pretty good. I love it. Uh, maybe, we'll get, maybe we'll get Lou to shave his head. Yeah. <laughs> he is, he's got a little bit of the Bobby yeah. Salah look. Not that not that beautiful head of hair. I mean, we can't. No, no. That, he's too good looking. Uh, maybe a Shanahan or something. I don't know. Uh, he, uh, the next time we'll see you is next week. We will do the AFC South which at once upon a time was a brutal division. I don't know. Maybe it is still one, one of our favorite divisions to talk about. It's, we it's just always, we always find a way. Most people don't talk about the South. We love talking about it. You just love talking about teams from cities that don't care about football. That's that's or at least don't care about professional football. Um, that's our favorite thing to do. But Maddie, we'll see you next time, brother. Take care. All right. See yeah. All right. Uh, for Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silver, I am Dan Zampano. We'll see you next week. We thank you for listening to this NFC North edition of the Sunday Card. The Sunday Card Podcast is co-hosted and directed by Dan Zampano, co-hosted by Matt Silverth, and produced by Lou Paracone. You can listen to The Sunday Card on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen to us on Sports Country Radio at sportscountry.net at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. on Saturdays, and again at 11.30 a.m. on Sundays. Follow us on Twitter for all of our picks throughout the regular season at The Sunday Card. And remember, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.